All right. Well, we're unboxing Christmas. We're imagining a, a, what if Christmas were this like monthly subscription or annual subscription? You got a box and, and like God sent us the Christmas edition of, in 2019, what it looked like. But before we jump into that and kind of get moving on it, uh, can I just clarify Jingle Jam? Because for all the money we spent on the grant, she did a pretty poor job of helping us understand what it was. And so the, the, the Jingle... Ryan. Ryan. I don't know if you know this, but I did a really good job of talking about Jingle Jam a few minutes ago. So why in the world do you think you have to redo it again? You know, Just Rich, like a have you ever heard of the reiterate. phrase self-deception? What? Like, I don't think you did such a great job explaining Jingle Jam. I, I think, is there anybody here maybe still a little confused about Jingle Jam? Raise your hand like, what is it? There's a lot of confused people here, Grinch. I mean, we love you, and you are welcome here. I mean, everybody always welcome here. Mm. Uh, but but we do we do want to help everybody, including you, understand what Jingle Jam is because it's about Christmas and the Christmas spirit. Well, and let's just let's stop there. What is it going to take to get we, you into the Christmas mood? Nothing. I mean, have you seen the decorations in the foyer? Nothing. What about like Christmas treats, nope. like dessert, nope. Christmas desserts? What about ugly Christmas no. sweaters? If you're wearing your no. ugly Christmas sweater today, stand up for the Grinch. Uh, How many of you are wearing your ugly Christmas sweater? Stand up. Stand up. Look at all the ugly Christmas sweaters here. That. Oh, my gosh. Okay, what about, what about this right here? Like, um, that certainly has got to put you in the Christmas mood. I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. Oh, my gosh. Well, here's the deal, Grinch. I'm going to go ahead and talk about Jingle Jam, and you, have, you should feel good about fulfilling your contractual obligations. I'm glad we paid you before, because I don't know that we would have paid you after, because uh, it was really not that great of a job, but we're glad you're here, but I really do, I'm going to, I'm going to do the Jingle Jam. I'm watching you. Okay. Okay. We're, we're glad you're here, though, in some way, some when sense of us. When I see you Christmas this year, I'm starting with your house. Okay. All right. Well... Give the Grinch a big hand for leaving. So listen, before we unbox Christmas and see what came in our package, you know, this week, uh, Jingle Jam is really great. So here's the thing about Jingle Jam. Uh, It's not a kid's musical, all right? As cute as those are, it's not a kid's musical. It's not like a kid's Christmas pageant. So some of you were like, oh, well, I get, I'm not going to go next week because it's just the kids, right? But that's not it. It's a big Christmas party we're throwing here at Crossroads, really for, uh, for all of our families and for guests to come. There's going to be some reindeer games set out up in the patio for people. You might want to come a few minutes early. Uh, the human being, we're partnering with the human being, and they're going to have their coffee truck here, and they're going to have special holiday lattes that you can purchase, and we're going to have human bean coffee for free in the foyer. Uh, There's going to be hot chocolate. And then there's going to be a great show. It is a show uh, that really is going to continue our theme of unboxing Christmas. And we're going to be exploring this concept of joy. And there's singing and there's dancing and there's some great like audience participation things. And so it's a great opportunity to bring a friend, to bring a family from the neighborhood out. Lots of surprises. The kids are going to be singing. Anne Martinez is going to be singing. The whole band's going to be playing some great Christmas tunes, some new music. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we've even got some guest singing in the works. And when I say guest singing, I use the word singing loosely. Right, you know, you have folks like 
like Anne and Jess and Josh, and they have what we would classically call talent. Uh, but then there are some of us that have something else. It's an intangible when we sing, but it's very moving. And uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So I want to invite you to come back out for Jingle Jam. And if you want to be a part of helping out with the reindeer games or the extra hands that are needed, just check that box on the back of your Connect card. And someone from that team will be in touch with you. So what do you say we unbox Christmas and see what got delivered for us this week? Yeah. All right. You guys are here. I appreciate that. Uh, first service, you know, but that's Okay. They, they, they were feeling all kinds of pressure to get home and watch the Broncos lose. So that was what was going on there. So let's see what came in our Christmas 2019 package. This I'm going to set that over here so I don't cut myself. Oh, my goodness gracious. What in the world? Oh, I like this. I really like this. I can't eat it anymore, but I do like it. Way too many carbs here. Oh, my word. Let me see if I can get this out of here. It's in here tight. Oh, my word. The Christmas box 2019 includes a gigantic box of Captain Crunch cereal. How many of y'all like Captain Crunch cereal? Raise your hand up nice and high. Yeah, love it. Did you know the cereal, right, that we sell here in the United States, like that our cereal is actually sold in, in the United Kingdom in candy stores? Yeah, so like this is sold in candy stores. And what's fascinating about the, 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 like our cereal aisle is considered a candy aisle. It's taxed, like the sugar tax is imposed upon our cereals, right? It's the craziest thing you'll ever see. And some of you will get to go visit. Uh, there, we have some friends that are doing some pretty cool work in the United Kingdom. We hope to get a trip going here in the next couple of years for you to meet them, but you will experience this kind of craziness that our cereal is sold next to like Snickers bars, right? <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> We're going to eat it. I love cereal. That's been one of the hardest things since I've been on this like keto crave thing is to give up cereal. There's always a discussion in our house uh, between my wife and I. And by discussion, I mean argument. And uh, we say, what, what is cereal? Is it a meal or is it a snack? And I just say, yes. <laughs> yes. The answer to that argument is yes. It is both. But uh, cereal, I love cereal, but when I think about cereal, I think it's pretty cool that this would come and uh, lessons that we can learn from it. I think about the cereal aisle when I was a kid and my parents, who were horrible people for the most part, uh, sent, no, they're, they're probably watching, so I like to say that. Uh, so my parents would send my sister and I to the cereal aisle when we would go to the grocery store. And we would go to the cereal and they would send us with this simple mission, go get a box of cereal. Now, that seems like no big deal, but there were two of us, and it was not each of you go get your box of cereal. It was go get a box of cereal. And so we would go on, on their journey, and we'd walk up and down the cereal aisle, right? And we're looking for a box of cereal, and what do you think it was that we were concerned about with the box of cereal? Do you think it was the cereal? No. What were we concerned about? The prize inside. The surprise, which they would kind of tease you, Right? And so we would argue for the whole like hour and a half that our parents were in the grocery store. And I think this was just their way to get rid of us, right? <laughs> and they knew nobody would take us because we we're arguing in the middle of the, like, yeah, they're safe. Nobody's going to take them, <laughs> right? And we'd argue. And, and then you'd get home and you'd have one box of cereal, one prize, and then you just argue for the next week 
who's going to get it, right? And, and we had rules, right? You had a cereal bowl and you'd pour the cereal and if the prize came out, you got it. You weren't allowed to like, you know, dig around in there, you know? Cereal bowls got bigger and bigger in my house, right? Because we loved it. We loved the surprise toy inside, right? We live in a world of surprises, you know, and we all have different reactions to surprises. Sometimes we are uh, disappointed with a surprise, right? We're disappointed. We have high hopes, high expectations of something maybe, and we get surprised and, oh, can't believe it. We get disappointed with it. Sometimes we're pleasantly surprised. We're pleasantly surprised by something, right? So like I recently uh, made some sugar-free, flour-free uh, peanut butter chocolate chip cookies, keto-friendly. I was pleasantly surprised that they were fairly edible, right? I mean, I thought to myself as I was making them, these are going to be nasty. I don't think this is going to work. And, uh, and they, they came out okay. I was pleasantly surprised by that. Sometimes we're surprised by the amount of work a surprise brings into our lives, right? Sometimes, have you ever, ever bought your kid a pet? So I want a hamster. Do people still buy hamsters? I don't know. I want a hamster. I want a dog. I'll take care of it. And you buy that hamster, that dog, whatever. And you're surprised at how much work their pet has brought into your life, right? <laughs> we have these different surprises and we have different responses to surprises, right? Different reactions. Sometimes we react poorly to a surprise, Right? You get surprised on January 2nd how little money is in your bank account. I can't believe you spent. We react poorly. Our reaction to surprises, however, I really don't think is, is based so much on the surprise itself, right? But it's based on what our expectations or our desires are in that moment, right? If I've got a budget and I know come January 2nd, I'm going to have seven cents in my bank account and I open up and I've got eight cents, hey, hey! <laughs> I'm better than I'm ahead, right? If I, have a, if I have an expectation that my keto cookies are not going to be very edible, not going to be good at all, and when I taste them and they're good, oh, sweet, that's a good surprise, right? Because of my expectations, the way my thinking, what my attitude was in the middle of it. And, and really no season of the year brings more surprises than Christmas, right? It brings surprise guests. It brings surprise family. It brings family that you expected, but with unexpected surprises. And, and I think that, that a cereal box would come in an unboxing Christmas, you know, in a Christmas box, because it reminds us that there is this one incredible surprise that we learn at Christmas more than any time of the year. And we learn it by looking at this life of Mary and her response to the surprise angel of Gabriel. And so I want to look for a few moments at this passage that we read as part of our Advent reading. Didn't they do a great job? That was awesome. They did such a good job. Nice work. Way to go. That's good. And I want to just pause and walk through this a little bit and see if we can't learn something about one of the most amazing surprises ever. This angel comes and surprises Mary and her attitude and her expectation in the middle of it, right? So we're going to look at Luke. If you're here and you're a guest or you're kind of new to faith, new to Bible study, and the Bible's kind of daunting to you, hey, it's okay. The Bible's daunting to a lot of us, right? And just imagine if you've read the Bible so much that it's no longer daunting to you, imagine how messed up your life had to have been to spend that much time reading the Bible. So don't be weirded out by people that know all about it. I'm just joking. Some of you are not happy with that joke, but it is a joke, it is a joke. Right? But the Bible can be a confusing book. Uh, it is a collection of writings. It's not really a book. And I always say this, and, and I want you to hear me, that the goal of a life of faith is not to follow the Bible. That's not the point. The goal of a life of faith is to follow Jesus. 
That's what we're trying to do. And when the Bible serves that purpose, that end, it's a beautiful, wonderful collection of writings. But when the Bible becomes the thing that we follow and something that we weaponize and we use to show people how horrible they are, we try to follow all these rules, we've completely missed it. And so I just want you to know if you're here today and the idea of reading the Bible is a little scary or you've been confused by it, you're in in good company. And I love scripture, I really do, but not nearly as much as I love Jesus. And I love what Jesus offers our world and that Jesus is revealed through so much of the scripture. And that's what makes it beautiful. So I always like to say that in case when I say, hey, we're gonna look at scripture and you immediately are like, okay, I'm gonna check Facebook out because I can't follow all that stuff. Because you can, I mean, the truth is we don't. I mean, we don't follow all of the scripture. We just don't, nor should we, right? So we're gonna look at a part of the Bible today. It's, It's the book of Luke. It tells the story of Jesus. There's four of these types of writings in this collection. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the gospels or good news. And they tell us about Jesus, his life, uh, his birth, uh, his death, his resurrection. And they tell it from different perspectives. So if you read one and then you read another one, you would see it differently because people experience and encounter Jesus from different angles and different vantage points in life. And uh, so we're going to look at Luke again today. We started last week in Luke as well, talking about Elizabeth and unshrink wrapping our hearts, right? So now we pick up the story. It says in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so this is about six months, seven months after uh, the angel had visited Elizabeth. We read, we talked about that last week. If you weren't here, feel free to check out our uh, Vimeo page or our website actually, and you can uh, watch that if you want to. It says in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. First thing you need to know, first fill-in if you're a fill-in person in your talk notes inside your program, is that Nazareth Nazareth was no northern Colorado. <laughs> All right, so you just need to know this right off the bat, that Nazareth, this region, this area, uh, this village, actually, Nazareth was the village, Galilee was the region. Uh, this was not in northern Colorado. So when we were first uh, kind of having conversations with Crossroads and coming out here, people talked about how beautiful northern Colorado was, right? And, and I'm going to tell you right now, Nazareth, no northern Colorado, right? It's not like it, when it snows in Nazareth, it goes away. Right, that's what I was told. Northern Colorado, when it snows, it doesn't stick. <laughs> right, I mean, we, we were told these things, right, that just aren't true. But it's a beautiful place to live, and people want to live here. You know how I know why people want to live here so badly? Because I just bought property. I paid way too much for this little postage size stamp of property that I now get the privilege of paying for over the next 30 years of my life, right? But this is a place people want to be. This is a place people want to go where the gateway to the Rocky Mountain National Park, right? It's awesome. It's beautiful. The mountains are here and there's lakes and it's the beautiful weather and it's awesome. Nobody cared about Nazareth. Nobody cared about Galilee. Nobody wanted to go there. You never went there, right? In fact, people, when Jesus started walking around doing stuff, like the people, the elites were like, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, what is going on here? So you got to know from the beginning of this story, there's a big surprise here. Like people had to go to the, like, they were like, uh, Google, where is Nazareth? (laughs) Jesus said he's from Nazareth. Where is that? Right? And nobody knows where this place is, right? And there's this girl living there named Mary, right? And she's engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now, before you get all like, ooh, amazing, like lots of people were descendants of King David, right? That was just a, a line, a heritage. Lots of people were descendants. And there was nothing special or unusual about Mary. She was probably 13, 14 years old. 
prearranged marriage with Joseph, two families working this out. Like Mary was on no one's radar as like up and coming, watch for Mary. She's gonna make a difference in Jerusalem, right? I mean, that was not the case. Like People Magazine, they weren't doing like an expose on her. She wasn't in like Times 100 millennials to watch, right? That was not who she was. She's just this girl, just like any other girl who doesn't really have control of her life, is being controlled for her by others, been in a prearranged marriage. So she's just kind of minding her business, living in this little village called Nazareth. Probably never left the village in her whole life. And it says that the Gabriel appeared to her and says, greetings, favored woman. I imagine Mary going. <laughs> says, God is with you. And I love her response, confused and disturbed, like most of you with this message right now. <laughs> How did you become a pastor? Understand. <laughs> Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think, what is this angel talking about? I love it. Like Mary didn't see herself as this deserving person. Mary wasn't like, it's about time I got some recognition from God. Where have you been my whole life? No, she hadn't done anything. She's 13, 14 years old, learning how to tend to house. Like there's, there's nothing about her. Right? And she even understood that. But here's the thing. The angel comes with this amazing proclamation about something called the favor of God. And see, the favor of God is this huge theme all throughout scripture. And it's a huge theme in the life of Jesus as we're gonna see. And so when Mary hears this favor stuff, right, she doesn't place herself in that category because the favor of God, as she understood it, was always with these people like Noah and Moses and Joshua and Abraham, all these big wigs and big deals, right? Certainly probably never a woman in her mind. And so this angel shows up and calls her favored. What is he talking about? And the favor of God was such an important thing. It's the first thing that Jesus declared when he was starting his ministry. He went into a synagogue very early on and he rolls out the scroll and he read from Isaiah, a prophet in the Old Testament. He reads that God has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. You see, Jesus was bringing in the favor of God for anyone who would like to live in it. He was opening up the gates. Now, the favor of God is very different than the favor of humanity or the favor of man. We'll often hear that said, pardon the, the masculine use there, but favor of human beings. See, the favor of humanity or the favor of man is always based on our abilities and our achievements, always. If I'm seeking favor from an employer, if I'm seeking favor from a spouse, if I'm seeking favor from someone, it's always based on what I can do for them. Thank you. Like, that was like a 12-year-old listening. That was amazing. What I can do for them, right? If you find favor in my eyes because I'm a human being and I need other people to accomplish my goals and my dreams and whatever it might be, if you find favor in my world, it's because you have something to offer. And I know you have something to offer because of your past abilities and your past achievements. And in a lot of the spaces in our world, how you got those abilities and how you uh, achieved those achievements don't play and factor into it. It's just like, oh, you've been successful. You can make our company money. You're in. You find favor. You did well in high school, got the good grades, got them on the transcript. The college admissions folks go, hey, we find favor. You can find favor. You're in. You're going to make our school look good. We're going to be proud to have you as an alumni. But the favor of God works very differently. 
Because the favor of God, as far as I can see, and it's true understanding, the favor of God is not about abilities and achievements, and we see this with Mary. The favor of God is about attitude and choices. The favor of God is about the attitude that we bring into this world and into our relationship with the universe, with God, whatever words you like to use. And it's about the choices we make and do they further what agenda? Do they further an agenda that is selfish, that's my abilities, my achievements, or is it choices that honor the human dignity all around me and the divine image and everything? Am I making choices that honor that this world is created by God, all things? And so the favor of God seems to rest on people who are willing to live this righteous life, right? And, and that idea of righteousness, having this heart, this attitude, making choices that are honoring of God. Not what you've done, but the disposition of your being. And so Mary's confused by this. She doesn't have the, the lexicon or language to understand all of it. She's confused, disturbed. And Gabriel says, don't be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. God has seen your heart. God has seen your attitude. God has seen the choices that you've made. And you will conceive and give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus or Joshua. Oh man, that was good news for her in this day, in her context, to be told that she was gonna give birth to a son. Big deal. Yeah, I mean, she's excited about this. This is wonderful. She's not gonna be like Elizabeth and spend her whole life without any kids and everybody talking about her behind her back. This was wonderful news. So she's all excited and then it takes a twist. And then, the, and then Gabriel goes on and says, he'll be very great and will be called son of the most high. Hold on a second. It says the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. Oh, wait a second. And he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. Hold on a second. Like I think Mary's heart's like sinking a little bit here because she's starting to realize that the favor of God is about to bring a serious burden to her life. A serious burden. And we know that burden now because we have had all this time to consider and think about who Jesus was. And we can look at some of these these prophecies in, in books like Isaiah But this is what, think about it, this is what Mary is tasked with raising, (laughs) okay? Isaiah chapter nine, this is what the angel's saying, by the way, you're in charge of this, don't screw it up, (laughs) right? She says, there will be a time in the future when when Galilee of the Gentiles, and again, people are like, Galilee, exactly, where is that, right? Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea. She said that Isaiah had to tell people where it was. (laughs) It's right over here. I know you haven't heard of it, right? But here's the thing. It's going to be filled with glory, filled with God's presence, another way to think of it. And so the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And you, God, will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the armies of Midian. Like this guy is gonna free the people. This guy is gonna break off any yoke of oppression and then get this, it says the boots of the warriors and the uniforms blood stained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. In other words, this gift, this light is gonna end war, is gonna bring wholeness. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. 
and his government and its peace will never end and he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of ancestors, David, for all of eternity. Mary, this is it. And we sing songs like, Mary, did you know that? No, of course she didn't know that. How could she have possibly functioned as a human being knowing that pressure was on her? Like raising the savior of the world's a big deal. Like that kid would have lived in the ultimate bubble, right? No, you can't go outside. There's people out there. You could, no. Like, I mean, what would you do if you fully understood? There's no way she understood what was happening because it was such a huge task, such as what would be a very complex thing, first of all, of raising children, but it's a simple thing to say, oh, I'm a parent. But oh my goodness, what God was gonna do through this, what seems to be a very common thing of raising a child. And so Mary's processing. And then Mary's like, okay, but how's this gonna happen? I'm a virgin, like point of order. No? Like it's been my experience that there's a set way in which this happens. And now you're telling me I'm gonna have this child, which is great, but now I'm gonna have this child and I'm not quite exactly sure how I'm supposed to take him being called son of the most high, son of God, like king forever, and, and, and now you're telling me, like, I, I, but I'm, we're not full, we're engaged, which is le- a legal contract, but we're not actually married. We're like, what's going on? And the angel replies, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And I love this phrase, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. In other words, you will live under the shadow of the power of God who will make and sustain all things in your life. And the baby to be born will be holy. That word means set apart, will be set apart for God. And he will be called the son of God. And I think Mary's face, Mary's face must have been like, hmm. Like, I don't know what to do with this. But she had enough sense not to talk, right? Like last week, we saw like Zechariah was like, oh, really? Really? And then Gabriel's like, I stand before God. Shut your mouth. And like he couldn't talk for the next nine months, you know. Right? Mary had enough sense to be like, And Gabriel, and Gabriel says, but, but here's the deal. What's more, your relative Elizabeth, right? She's pregnant. And Mary's like, get out. Because she, how would she know, right? She doesn't live there. There's no internet, right? What do you, and, and she's pregnant in her old age. And people used to say she was barren. There's so much wrapped up in that barren, cursed by God, all these things. People used to say that. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And then I love this. For the word of God will never fail. And I want to share with those of you that are like real Bible people, right? And you know the gospel of John. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. That word there is logos. It's a different word here. It's rhema. The word, the actual spoken word of God, the whispers of God will never fail. They sustain. Gabriel is not saying the Bible, right? We call the Bible the word of God in common nomenclature today, but that's not what Gabriel is saying. Gabriel is saying those whispers of God, the word that's spoken by God that is experienced by you, that will never fail, will never fail. And what I love about what Gabriel says is it brings something that should calm us into our minds and into our hearts is that for Mary, this favor of God was gonna bring a huge burden and she was gonna live in this favor of God as she raised this child. But to do that, she needed God's power and presence. Remember, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, will protect you, will care for you. 
And the word of God will never fail. See, I actually think the whispers of God, that those words, that's God's presence. That that's how you're gonna be able to carry this burden, Mary. And the greatest surprise of all, and what we're gonna learn is found in her response to this surprise visit. Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And with that, the angel leaves her. May everything you've said about me come true. I'm God's servant. I'm here. And see, Mary made God's plans the priority of her life. And that is what put her in a place to live in God's favor because she was ready and willing. And this is the greatest surprise for all of us and the best bit of good news that we can pull out of the Christmas season because so many of us in this room feel like we're not qualified to live in God's favor, that we're not qualified to participate in what God is doing in this world. But in Mary's life and in her response, we learned this amazing Christmas surprise that God's favor finds the ready and willing, not the trendy and deserving. There's nothing trendy about Nazareth. Nobody's going to Nazareth and taking selfies and posting it. Vacay 2000, yeah. Nobody's doing that. Nobody cares about Nazareth. There's nothing trend, no, no fashion trends are being set in Galilee. Nothing comes out of this place. Mary's not deserving. She's done nothing. Nothing. She hasn't been educated. She's 13, 14. She hasn't lived long enough to do anything. But so many of us get in our heads that the kingdom of God functions like the kingdom of this world, but it is an upside down kingdom. And the work of God is not done by those who are trendy and those who are deserving because they're trendy and because they're deserving. The work of God is done because people are ready and willing to live in God's favor. And all of a sudden now, things start to happen. So how do you position yourself? How do you live this out in your everyday normal life? How do you find yourself in the favor of God? Well, we have to do two things. We've gotta be like Mary, ready and willing. So what does that mean? Number one, we've gotta be ready to make God's plans for this world the priority for my life. And here's the truth of it. Most oftentimes, it's not. Most oftentimes, the priority of our lives is not what God is doing in this world. The priority of our lives is our home. The priority of our lives is our next vehicle. The priority of our lives is our next vacation. The priority of our lives is the next movie. The priority of our lives is not what God is doing in this world. And so we have to be ready to be a part of it. And what is God's priority for this world? It's not that we wouldn't have money or vacations or go to movies, that's not, the, that's not what I'm saying. Those are all wonderful, good things, part of enjoying life. But the priority, the number one priority in our life that everything ought to orient to if we're following this Jesus way is peacemaking, is creating wholeness in this world, is mending the brokenness and the brokenhearted and looking for the broken in dark spaces and saying, God, you're bringing wholeness because the Prince of Peace was born in a manger. The government and its peace, its wholeness will never end. It's spreading right now. It's what God is doing. But here's the thing. You and I can't be ready to be a part of this peacemaking adventure if we have no margin in our lives. So this idea of margin might be foreign to some of you. Some of you may have heard of it. But this concept of margin, it's the space between all the stuff we load onto our lives 
how big our plate is, let's say, right? And you compare that to the limits. So if everybody has a plate, right? You say, well, I can fit X, Y, and Z on my plate, right? You ever said that my plate is full? Anybody ever said that about life? My plate is full. You ever heard that? No, nobody's heard that. Okay, we got to shake it off. I'm, I'm, I promise I'm landing the plane, right? I just need a little help, okay? <laughs> like I'm supposed to raise my hand. I'll wake you up a little bit. We said, oh, my plate's too full. What are we saying? I don't have any margin, right? I've put food, I've put whatever all over my plate. And if I put one more thing on that Thanksgiving plate, the whole thing's gonna topple, right? There's no margin. Margin is the space between our load and our limits in all all types of areas of our lives, right? You have time, you've got finances, you have emotional, you have physical margin. There's all these spaces, right? And if we have no space, if we have filled every bit of our lives, if we have filled every bit of our time, we've planned it all out, if we have spent every bit of the money that God has brought into our lives, we have no way of saying yes to God when he whispers. Because we've overpassed, we have no margin. It's not that we're not willing, but we're not ready. So we have to become ready because it's in the margin that the kingdom of God is built It's in that margin. It's in that space where I decide I'm not gonna work 70 hours a week. Yeah, I could make all this money, but I'm not gonna do that because I can't say yes to God. I'm not gonna buy this car that I can fully afford. I'm gonna buy this car that might save me some money so that I can have a little margin so that I can buy a a Christmas present for a kid who's struggling or so that I can buy some school supplies for my kid's classroom that's struggling to actually find funding. I'm not going to schedule every hour that I have that's free. I'm actually going to be available for God to whisper and for me to say yes. So we need to be ready. Create that margin. The second thing is we have to be willing to take on a burden that requires God's power and presence. The truth is most of us never experience God's power in our lives because we never say yes to anything that requires God's power. Because to say yes to something that requires God's power is frightening. (laughs) It's destabilizing. But many of us in the room, God is calling and is placing this burden on you to go out and produce shalom, produce wholeness somewhere in the world, some space in our community. And it feels like it's too much for you. But God's power and presence can sustain. So we have to be willing to say yes to those things that seem bigger than us. Here's what happens. And this is so amazing. I've seen it over and over again. When we put ourselves in a place to be be in the favor of God, when we say, okay, I am ready. I've created the margin to say yes. I am willing to take on a burden that is bigger than me that requires God's power. When that happens, we find ourselves in the favor of God. And all of a sudden, we start to live a life of eternal significance in a world filled with endless activity. And we mistake the two way too often. You can be busy. There's no doubt about it. This world offers all kinds of stuff. Your family can have endless activities, six activities for every kid, and you've got three kids. Do the math. See you in 18 years. We can get sucked into this trap of endless activity and, and, and it be of no eternal significance, or we create those margin in that space and we're available, and when God whispers, we go, absolutely, yes. Absolutely, So here's what God is whispering to us today. Are we ready and are we willing? Maybe you're ready, maybe you've got the margin, but you just haven't been willing. 
Maybe you're willing, but you're not ready. There's some decisions that you have to make as a family to bring some margin into your time, into your emotions, into your physical health. Whatever it might be, I believe that God speaks. I believe that God whispers. And so here in just a moment, we're gonna go out and we're gonna finish watching the Broncos game and have lunch. But before we do that, can I just give you a minute to fill out your Connect card and to consider what God might be inviting you into today? What is it that God might be inviting you into today? Just consider in the next moment, like, was there a song today that struck you? Was there a word? Lord, what are you inviting me into? And here's the thing, as you ask that question in your heart, just listen for God to answer. He'll bring a song. Maybe you wrote a name on one of those ornaments and that's, that's it. Like God's just given you this like burden, this word to like invest in that person, to invite them into your home, into your life, to just care for them because you know they're in a space where they need to be cared for in a special way. Maybe it's one of the next steps on the talk notes. Maybe God's inviting you to talk with a friend about a burden, a whisper in your life. You know, I had a conversation with a woman this week. She called me, she was, well, she didn't call me, we had set it up. And, and in the point of the conversation, at one point she said, I really feel like God's calling me to, to do a clothing swap in my community and our church is in such the perfect spot for it and it'd be so good and I wanna do it. And I said, that's great, why don't you just, well, I went and I started talking with our church and you know, they, I'm not a member and they don't, and there's just some things and they weren't really clean. So I talked with the person who leads this and I just don't know if it's gonna happen. I just looked and I said, well, what do you need your church for to do what God calls you to do? I said, I don't understand. She said, well, the church is in such a perfect location. Well, earlier in the conversation, she had told me she lives like three doors down from the church. I said, okay, hold on a second. I said, if the church is in a perfect location, why isn't your home in a perfect location? And she said, oh, I guess so. I said, do you have a garage? She said, oh, I've got a barn. I said, no, you're kidding me. So you got, yeah, I just, it's just filled with some stuff. I said, well, can I just suggest that you go clean out your barn and you just create a Facebook group and say, I'm doing a clothing swap. It's gonna be open during these times. It's gonna be in my barn. And uh, if you have clothes you'd like to help. And, and I said, why don't you just go live into what God's calling you to do? And don't worry about whether the church wants to get behind it or not. That's just, that's, that can mess it up for you, to be honest with you. But we don't think like, but we just have to walk in. So maybe there's a little burden that feels bigger than you. Talk with somebody about it. Maybe, this, maybe there's some injustice that's been rolling around in your heart and you just need to learn more about it. Maybe you're interested in what really is happening with racial healing in our world. There's a movie coming out called Just Mercy. You know, that could be a springboard for you to help understand some of the realities of what's going on in the lives of black and brown people in our nation. And just learning about that, just going into that experience. Maybe it's human trafficking and you wanna understand where is human trafficking happening in Northern Colorado? Because I guarantee you it is. I guarantee you it is. What about food insecurity, homelessness? Maybe there's some injustice that you just, it's, it's like you're just interested, you've heard about it. Learn something, go. And here's the deal, if you want your like master's degree in this nonsense, here's the thing, this will wreck you. I mean, it'll totally mess your life up in good ways. Make a commitment that just this week, you'll say yes to all the whispers of God in your life. No questions asked. You hear a whisper, God says, take him out for coffee, invite him over for Christmas Eve, give him 10 bucks, tell him you're praying for them, ask him how their marriage is. Why am I, why am I gonna do that? But when God whispers, you just say yes. Maybe those are some things. So I'm gonna give you a minute. 
just to open your heart up to what God might be saying to you today because that's transformative and that's what I think this is all about, actually. And then I'll come and pray for us as you finish that and fill out your Connect card, get your offering ready. Lord, give us ready hearts with, and lives with margin and willing hands this morning. We thank you for this wonderful surprise that we see in Mary, that your favor is not found because we are trendy or popular or fit some standard of the world or have these achievements, but your favor rests on those who are ready and willing to live into your priorities. So help us to do that today, God. Help us to live into your priorities, not in obligation, but in hopes to have a life of eternal significance. And may your power and presence be found in those things. We surrender ourselves to you as a gathered church community, but also as a scattered people who leave this place and go into neighborhoods and elementary schools and trucks and all types of places, bringing light and hope and joy. So, Lord, may our disposition be one that says yes. Amen. Amen. Do me a favor. Welcome, Isaac. He's going to get you out of here super quick.